0: be great if you have your Bible with you to keep it open to Luke chapter 8. And let's begin in prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word. We pray today that your spirit would be at work in us, in our heart, in our minds, that we would come to see Jesus clearly and worship him as Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we're again focusing on encounters with Jesus. We've seen Jesus do some remarkable things. Heal the paralysed, heal from afar, forgive sins, and even raise people from the dead. And today, we see how Jesus can drive out evil. Jesus meets a demon-possessed man. There's demons begging, a crazed herd of pigs, mass swine suicide, a petrified town, and a restored man. You might be completely freaked out about this passage, about demon possession, because it's just a bit too supernatural. Or you've come across this story before and are a bit unfazed. Or you might just feel a little sorry for these ancient people dismissing this as just superstition and being ignorant to how things really work. But this is not just an encounter we can bypass. It's not just a strange story in isolation. Instead, here, we see the effects that evil has on a man's life and the ability of the one who can overcome it, not just for one man, not just at this one moment, but for all people across all time. As we confront the reality of evil and Jesus' authority over evil, we see how things really work. First, we see that evil is real. If you have a Bible in front of you, we're going to pick up from verse 26. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Wherever Jesus has gone... He has brought life. The paralysed walk, the crippled are healed, and the dead live. Yet here, in this poor, demon-possessed man, we see that evil destroys. Luke goes into detail to show us the effect evil has had on this man's life, physically, relationally, and emotionally. Physically, His dignity has been stripped from him. Note that for a long time he has not worn clothes. In the parallel account in Mark's Gospel, we also see that night and day he cuts himself with stones. Relationally, he's an outcast. He doesn't live in a house, but alone in a cemetery. Living in this place of the dead would have made him completely unclean and untouchable. Emotionally, he's continuously tormented. For many times, demons sees him. His distress is evident as he cries out, shouting at the top of his voice when he sees Jesus. The chaos and destruction of his life is for all to see. In the eyes of his community, this made him dangerous, worthy of being chained up. No aspect of his life is left unaffected. Evil attacks physically, emotionally and relationally. In your own life, you might have seen evil firsthand or still experience the effects of evil today. You know that it can be relentless in trying to destroy any sign of life. Now this, of course, does not mean that every symptom of isolation or emotional and physical distress means that you're being possessed by evil, but that actually all the brokenness we witness and experience is a reflection of the manifestation of evil in our broken world. We know evil is real because we've seen it and felt it. The destruction of this man is not imagined. His misery is not from a lack of scientific knowledge or from superstition. It is the visible and invisible outworking of evil. But whilst evil is real and hell-bent on destruction, we don't need to be afraid or lose hope For even evil knows who Jesus is, God with us. And so evil also knows that its power is limited. Before the disciples have recognised that Jesus is the son of God, the demons beat them to it, crying out, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Consistently, evil knows who Jesus is. We've already seen this earlier in Jesus' temptation in Luke chapter four, and when other demons come into contact with Jesus, they know that he is the son of God, the commander of all heaven and earth. So clearly just knowing who Jesus is doesn't automatically make you a Christian. The demons know who Jesus is, fall down with fear, but fail, To submit to him as Lord. We can know who Jesus is, remain unmoved and also fail to submit to him as Lord. Simply knowing who Jesus is isn't enough. It matters how we respond. Evil fears Jesus because when it stands face to face, with the creator and author of life, evil knows that its power is limited and its days are numbered. The possessed man falls to the ground and begs Jesus not to torture him. These demons, which have taken great delight in continuously tormenting the man, want Jesus to turn a blind eye Evil doesn't seek forgiveness. It doesn't feel sorry for the pain continuously inflicted. It knows its days are numbered. So comes begging that it won't face coming judgment. But Jesus won't have that. The good news is that Jesus won't let evil continue on unchecked. For Jesus has authority over evil. Picking up from verse 30. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abysses. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank, into the lake and was drowned. Now, there are probably so many questions racing through your head right now. Like, what's with the slaughter of innocent animals, Jesus? Should we be calling the RSPCA? Has Jesus just single-handedly destroyed the local pig industry? Whilst we don't get many answers for these questions, what the text does make clear Is Jesus' authority over evil and the consequence of evil? In verse 30, we see the scale of the problem of evil. The name of the demons is legion because there are many. In the Roman army, a legion referred to a unit of around 5,600 soldiers. So the reference to many demons is likely to mean thousands of demons. Here in this man is a large-scale, entrenched evil. And yet Jesus handles them with ease. There's no battles, no tussle for power, no Star Wars-scale conflict. The demons know who Jesus is and obey his authority. In verse 31, they repeatedly beg Jesus not to order them to go into the abysses, the place of destruction, They know whatever Jesus commands, they have to follow. The repetition of the words permit reveals that evil knows it just can't keep doing its own thing in the presence of Jesus. It's a bit like a playground fight. You might get away with pushing someone around at the back of the oval, but good luck doing that while the principal arrives. When Jesus rocks up, Evil tries to avoid facing the consequences. Looking back to verse 32. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. It looked like a hopeless situation for the man. And yet, by the words of Jesus, the power of an entire legion of demons is undone. Here, it started with a normal herd of pigs and a demon-possessed man. And when Jesus gives permission, we end up with a crazed herd of pigs rushing down to their death and a restored, cured man. In the chaos of this story, don't miss seeing how comprehensive Jesus' authority over evil is. This is not just a one-off fluke, but a small window into the cosmic power Jesus wields. He is the one who by his very word, the sick are healed, the dead are raised and evil is vanquished. As evil begs at Jesus' feet, we see that none are exempt from his authority. For that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. In the Maswine suicide, the consequence of evil is is also made visible. Whatever evil inhabits, it destroys. And that's its goal. The demons destroyed the man's life and now they destroy the pig's. The trajectory of evil is death, it's costly. But bringing evil to justice is costly too. In our broken world, justice is often poorly worked out. We just never quite arrive at perfect justice as our actions individually and corporately get messed up in sin. But it still gives us a glimpse of how dealing with evil requires a costly justice. As wars unfold, currently our news is full of pictures and stories of evil being unleashed. We know that if or when peace talks are unsuccessful, the cost to remove evil and bring justice is likely to include millions poured into defence, countless lives lost and shattered by war and decades to heal broken communities. We can struggle to even calculate the cost of evil, let alone the cost of justice. But God sees clearly the full consequences of evil, and He is willing to pay the cost for justice to be done. Not only addressing evil on a cosmic scale, or evil that is just out there, but evil that is in us too. We know that evil can't be erased or deleted without consequences. We know that alone we're unable to pay for the consequences. And we know that we can't begin to pay for the cost of our own evil. But Jesus, he is both willing and able He is willing to bear the cost of evil and he alone is able to defeat it. For in the destruction of the herd, we get a foretaste of the future destruction of evil. Evil has been defeated by the death of Jesus. On the cross, just before he dies, Jesus declares... It is finished. Jesus not only has authority over evil, but has destroyed its power. And when he returns, the suffering and pain we experience today will be removed forever. Today, evil roams as a defeated enemy, but its days are numbered. And we wait in the promise that when Jesus returns in glory... All the last remnants of evil will be finally taken away. For as promised at the end of the Bible in Revelation, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. In light, ...of Jesus' cosmic authority, we see two responses. Picking up from verse 34. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The scene here had many witnesses. The disciples and those tending the pigs saw what had happened. And if they weren't there at the time, news quickly spread and people came out to see for themselves what had happened. The sheer quantity of witnesses here make it hard to just dismiss this encounter. When the crowd is confronted by the sight of the restored man that they had tried to chain up and the devastation of the herd, they were overcome with fear. They had witnessed and seen the evidence of jesus unlimited cosmic authority on display so astonishing were jesus actions that those from the town appear now far more afraid of jesus than even the men possessed by demons but there is no reason for us to be afraid of jesus he is the one full of compassion unlike evil which brings destruction, chaos, and death. Jesus goes to his own death in order to bring healing, order, and life. If you follow Jesus, it means death does not have the victory. It means that evil won't have the final say. For in his death and resurrection, Jesus has overcome evil And brings to you life. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, there are two options avoid him, like the crowd which asked Jesus to leave, or come to him, trusting in his power and telling the truth of what he has done. From verse 38. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. The man who came to Jesus possessed, naked, and outcast and tormented... Is now restored. He's cured, saved, delivered, not by his own strength, not by his own determination, but with nothing. He came to the one with power. Jesus might have left the region, but news of what God has done remains visible in the life of the restored man. In the face of evil around us and in us where are you going to go? You can try to hide or run away or you can come to the one who saves and tell of all he has done. Let's pray. Gracious Father Thank you that anyone can come to you. That we can come weak, hurting, with nothing to offer you. And you still welcome us. Please, we pray by your spirit to open our eyes to see the power of your love poured out on the cross and your power in resurrection, which brings life forever. We pray for those today who are unsure of how to respond to the evil we see around us and in us. Please be at work softening hearts and minds to make a clear way to Jesus, our compassionate and kind Saviour. We pray, Lord, that you would remove any barrier from people to come to you and accept you as their Lord. Lord, we thank you that when we trust in your son, we no longer need to fear evil, for you have overcome it. As we go out on our front lines, we pray that we would know your presence, strength and power to bring about life and order. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.